Let's go watch it in 2D. No, let's go watch it in 3D. But if we watch it in 3D, then is it worth the cost? Hello, hello, hello. This is Adolf, and I have with me quite a few people. I have with me Miss Kristen. Hi, everyone. Jake. Howdy, folks. And James. Hello. And uh, we're all together because we got quite a big topic in this podcast: the box office blues. Now, if uh, you, you know you're walk, you know seeing different publications, they'll talk about how this year has been a really low year, except for Disney and or Marvel. Um, everything else out there has not made anywhere close to a billion, and everything else has made you know Disney wise has made their money basically. And uh, we're just going to talk about it and see why this has happened. You know, why this year, you know, we have a lot of subtopics in this podcast. Um, you know, so let's just go one by one. Um, James, what are your thoughts? Why do you think this year has been a box office blue year? Okay, uh, so my major theory on why this has happened is because of uh, the predominance and the focus on foreign markets, especially China. Um, China likes very specific movies. They don't like them. Um, and I think I think that a major reason reason why uh, like a major reason why um, American movies that are like action movies or whatever translate really well over to China is I, I think because it doesn't take a lot to understand them as I, if that makes sense in the sense of like, okay, so a movie that's more complex uh, and requires you to understand more about like uh, American society or something, you know what I mean? Like in the sense of with the Avengers or movies like that, the bottom line is just explosions. Like it's not, it doesn't take much to understand, and so language-wise, you know, it's the barrier isn't that much. If you if you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, Christian, what's your thoughts overall? I think that maybe one of the reasons that Marvel and Disney are doing so well, and I guess they're one and the same, is because of advertising and budget. Um, I think that. Uh, they probably are able to uh, better advertise themselves to uh, multiple cultures in a way that uh, might be challenging for smaller studios. All right, Jake. Um, terrible movies, mediocre movies, and rehashes. And going to the movies is so expensive. Uh, people are just uh, only willing to take a risk on a movie that they think they're going to like. And Disney has a track record with people, so they gave them their money this summer. Now, for me, I think a lot of it is just the simple fact that if it's not a big movie, like, you know, a spectacle, I don't care to watch it in the theater because I have a, you know, I don't have a big 4K setup or anything. I have just 1080p. But, you know, I have really fast streaming and I could just wait like three months and watch it on, you know, at home and pause it when I need to go to the bathroom and, you know, talk when I want to talk, you know, and it's just easier. 
So it's just a multifaceted thing, this topic. It's not, and we're all right, I think. I don't think any one of us are wrong. I think all of us have bad points. Um, James, you want to add anything to this conversation? Well, uh, I'd also like to mention, though, it's, uh, I will say this. It's a very specific type of movie. It's mainly Marvel movies that are doing really well. And um, another interesting thing is that powerhouse franchises like Star Wars are not doing well because they are they don't appeal to the foreign market. Now, um, not all Disney movies have done well. Uh, this year's remake of Dumbo is considered a disappointment. Um, that one is the only Disney movie to come out that has not reached a billion. Um, the billion dollar or bust kind of method, I think, is just not something that is uh, foreseeable. Like, you just can't predict that to happen every time, and you can't assume that's going to happen. Um, but, I mean, Toy Story 4 has made a billion. Spider-Man Far From Home has made a billion. The Aladdin and Lion King remakes have made a billion. Um, and all the Marvel movies, including Captain Marvel and... Um, Endgame and Spider-Man have made a billion. So this billion dollar or bust kind of idea, you think it's something that is just too much to do, uh, Jake? Uh, yeah, but I think that's where we're headed because I think Disney's going to look at this uh, and I think it's already happening with how many projects they've canceled to Fox. Because, I mean... Um, I'm sure we've everybody's heard about the phone call at, uh, for the shareholders, and they really bashed the box office performance of Dark Phoenix. So I guess we can consider New Mutants as going to Hulu. Yeah. So, James, you gave us a story. You gave me a story about that. I think they don't want to put it on Hulu. They, you know, I think... Yeah, the, the the thing is, is that that they they said out outright that they're unimpressed by New Mutants, um, you know, uh, and the and the th and the thing is too is is I I honestly think that a lot of that comes from the fact that it's like is this movie going to appeal, you know, to every to you know, is it going to make money? Is it going to break a billion dollars? If it's not going to break a billion dollars, I don't think that they're interested. Christian, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I think that uh, it's a pretty narrow margin where every uh, cinema or every cinematic uh, title that comes out has a billion dollar uh, threshold to meet in order to be considered successful. I think that a lot of things that go on in movies is a lot of bloat and... Uh, I don't understand why a television show can be made for hundreds of thousands of dollars, whereas uh, a movie has to be made on this budget of like $300 million. When you have a $300 million budget uh, and you have to break a billion, it really does narrow down the field of things that can be accepted as, as uh, potentially successful. also makes me wonder if it's the end of nerddom. And I mean, like of nerds, uh, because if you only have uh, themes that are coming out that are only appealing to masses and not appealing to the small niches, 
then you don't have uh, the geeks out there that are uh, being appeased uh, by television shows or by movies that they uh, that they might enjoy more than the than the big box office hits. Yeah, that's that's another thing too, where it's uh, if you look at the type of movies that are being made, it's all these you know very simple movies, and I mean, I that I don't really have a problem with Marvel movies or anything, but um, they're not, you know, it doesn't take a lot to understand them, you know. So as sequels and reboots and not enough new stuff, part of the problem. Um, yeah, but it's also the type of movie being made too. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, uh, Jake, you've mentioned before that this year has gotten a lot of sevens out of us reviewing things, and uh, you think just the quality is not up to, you know, snuff, that you don't want to go out to the movie theater for a six or a seven out of ten, right? Yep, it costs too much. And, uh, you know, the quick... I mean, go ahead. Uh, and, uh, and I also got to add, I also blame audiences for this, too. Uh, there are some decent movies. I have seen some good movies this year. Just none of them were 3D, so they weren't, you know, part of this. Uh, and uh, a lot of the places, uh, when I would talk about them on social media, people were saying, well, this movie's not playing near me. And I'm like, damn, that's a missed opportunity Hollywood had uh, and the theaters had. Because, uh, I mean, I really enjoyed uh, The Dead Don't Die and The Art of Self-Defense this summer. But uh, most markets didn't get them. Now, there's a quick turnaround within for streaming and for you know, DVD slash Blu-ray release. You know, about three to four months, maybe five, give or take, mm -hmm. you know. And, uh, you know, the thing is, like I said before, I think most people are totally happy just waiting for the Blu-ray or for DVD, for God's sakes. The DVD is still not dead and it's been out for over 10 years, you know. Um, so almost 20 <laughs> so um it just mm -hmm. people are f totally fine just waiting for Redbox or whatever you know and the, you know 4k hdr it's, a, it's becoming cheap you can buy a 4k D, you know hdr tv for about 500 bucks and most theaters have 4k so it's like okay you know it's about the same maybe not that much better to watch it and you know you don't really need a big surround sound system anymore you could get like a $50, you know, sound bar from Walmart and you're good, you know, good enough. And, uh, it's just part of the thing that it's just, it's, you know, too many sequels and not enough new stuff and the smaller stuff, like you said, you know, there's this movie called uh, peanut butter Falcon. It's about a uh, mentally, um, incapable man who wants to be a wrestler and it looks mm -hmm. cute. Um, but I could totally watch that on Netflix. I don't need to go to the theater to see that. It looks like a cute, fun movie. Um, but I don't care. I don't care unless it's a spectacle, you know? It's, it's interesting that you bring that up. Uh, I think I'm older than all of you on this show. And uh, I remember back when uh, movie to DVD wasn't a month or weeks. It was years. Sometimes many years. I don't think that Star Wars was released on VHS until like 1981 or 82. So, and, and to a young audience member, that's an eternity. And I didn't understand why it was taking them so long to release that, that title on, 
VHS back when that was a thing. And uh, I think that the, the, the transfer from cinema to a uh, home box office has become so narrow that audiences will just sit around and wait because there's no, there's, there's no uh, anxiousness. Yeah. I can remember when um, a movie like Jaws would get re-released several times in the theater. Uh, yes. To, to promote the sequels, I mean, which Spielberg had nothing to do with, but yeah, Universal just made it a franchise because it made money. This was like the birth of, of the mess we're in now. And Spielberg didn't have enough power at the time to do anything about it. Uh, I wish he had, put his, was able to put his foot down and say no. But uh, it is what it is. But, uh, but the movies used to play in the... Also, movie tickets weren't, as, weren't so damn expensive as to uh, hourly wage. Yeah, that's and right. concessions weren't nearly as expensive. I mean, it's ungodly what it costs uh, for two people to go to the movies. Yes. And like the hot dogs are like seven bucks a pop where you could get, you know, entire the entire hot dogs, uh, all the condiments, buns at this grocery store for like four bucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, seven bucks for a hot dog at the theater, just like, whatever, you know. Yeah, two bucks for popcorn, that's ridiculous. Um, Yeah, so one thing you guys are mentioning that I think is worth mentioning is FOMO, which is, you know, a newer, catchy term to say the fear of missing out, where back in the day, back in the, you know, 70s and 80s and 90s, you know, you would fear that you would miss out. And that's why you went to the movies right away. You know, I think that's part of the Marvel, uh, you know, hook and that you want to talk about Endgame because everyone in the world was going to watch Endgame or, you know, oh, I want to see Lion King remake because I want to see if they mess that up. So you do have that fear of missing out. And um, it, it just, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't have that fear of missing out if it's going to come out in two months, you know, and if there's like five movies coming out in, you know, the same month and it's just like back to back to back. It's like, all right, I'm tired. I don't <laughs> I, I lost track of which movie is what, you know. So, Christian, what do you feel about FOMO? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I, I, that uh, that's uh, the, uh, the quickness is the brevity between cinema. I'm surprised that cinema doesn't uh, protest about it more, but maybe they're not as powerful as they used to be. And maybe the age of cinema is going to start becoming just a novelty. Now, James, you mentioned it. You know, China is a big market. You know, overall, foreign markets are much bigger deal now than it was. And you're right um, that you have to make something that is some make a movie that is appealable to a foreign market as well as a U.S. market. You know, the more cultural, the more distinct a movie is, um, you know, the less likely it will make worldwide. Like, I don't think Forrest Gump made 500 million around the world, but it made a whole bunch of money here because that was very cultural. We got that movie. It's an American kind of movie. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, it's, um, the thing is that, you know, it's only a certain type of movie that's doing well overseas. It's not like all movies are making a lot of money overseas, and it's always like, you know, Avengers or something, you know? I'm curious whether or not uh, foreign filmmakers worry about appealing to American audiences. Yeah? Yeah, that's, that would be, that's kind of interesting, I think. I know, like... English movies, you know, do they have to worry that we're not going to get some of the references, you know, Australian yeah. kind of movies? You know, they're still English speaking, but, you know, they're different. They have a different feel to them. You know, movies from like New Zealand as well, or Canadian movies, you know, just saying, you know, that kind of uh, thing where, you know, we've seen like Wallace and Gromit, you know, the animated movies, you know, they're very English flavored and people like them, but they're not as big as like the Disney you know, cartoons. Uh, there was a French movie that came out a, a few years ago. It was shot in real 3D. Uh, not, it's not a conversion. And it is yet to see a U.S. release uh, because it's considered a kid's movie, but they drop an, drop an F-bomb in it. And the studio with the U.S. rights doesn't want it to have a PG-13 rating, but they don't want to cut it either. It amazes me the gatekeepers of these uh, bigwigs that sit around and decide what the uh, masses are going to watch and not watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. I think it's just as bad as when the Weinstein brothers were doing it and butchering Hong Kong cinema to the point that uh, I couldn't even stomach their versions that came out in theaters. It's a very good analogy. Are yeah. talking about like censor, basically? Yeah, and it's also a cultural thing because the French. I mean, this was an, a French filmmaker making, trying to appeal to an Amer American audience because they shot the movie in English, uh, and uh, they just couldn't believe that that one little thing that woman said would change the rating of the movie. I mean, personally, I think they should have sucked it up and took the PG-13 and just released it. Yeah. But then you have uh, the situation with Anchor Bay when they got the rights to the Battle Royale and they were going to show the 3D conversion and then decided against it because of all the gun um, issues in the U.S. And they're just sitting on it. It's amazing that's the way the United States States culture has just struggled with censorship since the beginning of cinema. Mm -hmm. it, it amazes me when I watch a foreign film just how how uh, open and broad they are about these things, about these everyday things that go on in everyday life, you know, and uh, if it, everything has to be homogenized and squeaky clean before it can be released to American audiences. Yeah, and... Um... There's also very specific, like, uh, I think it, um, I think that the, because of the way Hollywood works, uh, it's, it's extraordinarily centralized, um, in the sense of there's really ma one major group of people, uh, making the movies, you know? And so because of that, you find a lot of similarities. You see what I'm trying to say? Yes. Like music. Yeah. Yeah, there's like because there's one main music in or music or Hollywood or you know there's one major industry that makes the movies and a lot of people share the same directors and actors and things. 
there's a lot of overlap and there's a lot of like, you know what I mean? There's no really competition in the U.S. between different. I mean, if there were, now, they'd be stamped out. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Especially now, especially now, there is no competition. It's uh, completely dominated by Disney. Completely. I mean, uh, the only people who are competing against them were what Fox. They're gone. I think that's so interesting because back in 1979 and 80, Disney was like on the skids. I think that Disney thought they were about to close up forever. Mm -hmm. And then they came out with this movie, Tron, and they Mm -hmm. took a chance. God forbid. I guess they didn't learn their lessons on anything, but uh, they took a chance to try to save the studio. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's. Yeah. And I. And now, and now now they're a movie monopoly. Mm-hmm. And, and they and they did so by buying other properties. Yeah, and I guess that's where the real money is. Mm-hmm. Absorbing, well, uh, you know, part of me like part of me really doesn't like that. I mean, I know I I understand that. Oh, it's completely legal to merge with other companies, but I mean, like, it's to the point where there's no one left. Yeah, practically, like the. Disney has bought, you know, Disney first, first Disney bought Pixar and then they bought Marvel and then they bought DC and then, <laughs> or not in DC. Oh, okay. That's next. Um, they bought Marvel, they, they bought, they bought Marvel and then they bought Star Wars and then they bought Fox. And now they're like, um, I heard rumors that they were thinking about buying Sony too. Or something crazy like that. I don't know. Like at this point, it's basically just Disney. They're the only one that exists. It's not like okay. You could say, oh well, they're the only ones that are. They make movies that do well. Well, yes, but also they're the only ones that make movies practically. And you also got to think about the promotions and everything of those films. Uh, if you've got, if you're holding all the cards, you can also you can squash and out bad press for your competitors. Well, well, actually, you know, you want to to know what is a a pretty good example of this was that um, I'm, okay, I'm sort of of the belief that Disney uh, a lot of, you know, like Rotten Tomatoes and the fact that, you know, rarely does do their movies get rated down bad. Well, I think that there is definitely kind of a bias towards movies that aren't Disney related. And I think that this happened uh, with Godzilla, the most recent one that came out. I think that, um, you know, realistically speaking, you know, it wasn't a perfect movie, but it also wasn't bad. And, you know, I think a lot of the low scores came from the fact that it wasn't Disney. Like uh, almost reverse... uh... Web optimization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I honestly think that that's kind of the reason why, because I don't, I honestly don't see why uh, it's like, oh, the, the problem with the film is that there's too many human, or there's not enough human-centric story, or I don't know, like, it's just, it doesn't seem like, you know, anything real. That's something that's really changed in the past generation. I remember when people used to read uh, movie critics uh, or listen to movie critics on television or radio, and uh, 
the audience member would always think for themselves and go out and sit, take a chance and say, well, let me see whether I like the movie or not. But nowadays, it seems like reviews are the make and break all. Yeah. See a movie. And I think it's interesting that audiences pay so much attention to critical reviews. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, one thing that makes me skeptical about, you know, movie critics is that a lot of the time they're bought and paid for by the companies. So, and maybe we always realized that back then, too. So, yeah, I don't know. It's like, you know, they might be right, but also you have to remember that they do have a slant. So, yeah. <laughs> well, we don't have a slant on our website and we don't get paid by big corporations to give good reviews to anything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think this is the time to bring up what Disney did to the LA Times a couple of years ago. Wait, they One do? of their critics uh, gave a bad review to several Disney movies in a row, and Disney just cut them off from press screenings. Yeah, you know, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the critics that I actually get, you know, give critical reviews to. Disney movies get fired or something. Oh, I could see that happening now. Because if you lose access to screenings, then it comes out of pocket, and they don't get paid very much. I mean, they yeah. get paid better than we do, but still. What, what uh, I'm, yeah. A lot of them have day jobs. A puppet to the uh, producers and the uh, and to the, uh, to the studios in order to uh, stay on board. Yeah. It's because and and the thing is too, um, I, I that's just something I've noticed in the sense of like, you know, you look at every Disney movie that's released practically gets really good ratings on Rotten Tomatoes, and I mean, you look at the way, and and I'm just saying, like, you look at the way they compare other movies. By other studios, and they're a lot harsher. Right. I think Disney, you know, they basically buy people. Sure. I also wonder how many of these reviewers are actually real. Because it seems like every couple of years, there's some scandal. We find out some um, reviewer wasn't a shill. It was just some PR person pretending to be several people writing reviews. And they're just a PR person for the studio. Yeah. And with algorithms and everything, they could some of those uh, some of those reviews may not have even been written by human beings. Mm-hmm. Bots, exactly. So one thing that's interesting about that I do want to talk about is that whenever you go to buy tickets at like Fandango, um, Rotten Tomatoes and Fandango are joined. So when you buy the ticket, you get to see the Fandango or the Rotten Tomatoes score before you buy the ticket. So you know right then and there, oh, it's ninety percent. Oh, I'll watch that. Yeah, let me buy tickets right now. Or if it's 35%, oh, no, you know, I'm not going to buy it. And before, you know, those you had to, you know, specifically look for a movie review, you know, the newspaper article that had, you know, back in the day, the listing of the times and the days of the movies did not also have the reviews next to it. So, you know, you had to look in there and look around. And now Rotten Tomatoes, you know, you see that score before it comes out, and then now you're like, no, of course not. I was interested in Batman versus Superman, but now that it's gotten bad reviews, no way I'll watch it. You know, and that's people don't judge it on their own merit. You know, and 
you know, I liked Batman vs. Superman. I know what people don't like. I don't think it's great. I just, I liked it. But I don't think it deserved the hate that it got, you know? Yeah. But I can tell that'll change once uh, Disney uh, swallows up DC. Suddenly they'll start making great movies. <laughs> well, they have to eat up Warner Brothers first. And uh, I think that might be a big too much, you know, a big too much to buy out, you know? Probably have yeah. congressional hearings and so forth. Yeah. Um, depend- I mean, there's been rumors that Warner Brothers is thinking about selling DC. Um, they yeah. probably do. They would probably do what Marvel did in the 80s and 90s, piecemeal it. Yeah, I've been hearing that too. You know, it's 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 really it's it's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. So the competition you guys have mentioned is is a big thing. You know, Sony did release a new Men in Black movie this year, Men in Black International. And, uh, you know, we all kind of liked it. I mean, some of us liked it a little more than others, but, you know, it didn't get great reviews. And that was something that was competing and it just didn't do it. It just did not, you know, and Godzilla, King of the Monsters, like James mentioned, that's by Warner Brothers. It just didn't do it. And there's no reason why, you know, either one of those movies, they're not, neither one of them are bad. I don't, you know, they have problems. Yeah. But I don't think they're, you know, they both should have made, been successful. You know, but neither one of them have made, you know, 500 million or a billion dollars. So it just looks bad, you know. Disney has problems, too. Their last Star Wars film wasn't all that great. Yeah. And Dumbo. Yeah. Yeah, Dumbo. It's not like Solo. Solo, yeah. I think Solo paid the brunt of uh, the last Star Wars movie. Yeah. I, I didn't think that was a terrible movie either. I kept wondering why. Uh, I thought Solo was fine. Uh, I mean, uh, I really, I mean, it just seemed like a. I mean, I'm a a fan of Ron Howard, so you know, it was a Ron Howard movie. Uh, there were certain things that were kind of added into the plot for convenience and so forth that just had to give like some shout out to something else inside the other movies and so forth that were kind of rushed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, the, the movies, the 3D in the trailers was awesome. But uh, in the theater, I wasn't impressed. That could be presentation, but at what can I'm a reviewer. I, can't, I have to call them as I see them. I can't. Oh, the since the trailer looked good, and I didn't see that movie in 3D. You didn't miss much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder if I've ever missed much by not watching a movie in 3D. Maybe that's one reason it's uh, starting to fizzle. Well, you know, some of them are definitely better. Um, you know. Absolutely. It's just hard because you never know where what movie theater is going to be good that day. You know, it's not consistent. You know, if you go to a movie theater and the 3D is bad, you don't know if it's bad because the people, the studios made it bad or if the projector is bad. Or if like you mm-hmm. go see a movie in 2D and the lip syncing is bad, well, that's probably because the, you know, movie is not lip synced bad. It's probably bad because, you know, they don't the theater didn't know how to mix the audio, you know, which should be pretty basic. <laughs> so, you know, one yeah. of the things that keeps me out of the movie theater, I know that I'm kind of a, kind of a movie stay away, but uh, the, one of the things that drives me crazy is there's two things in life that I don't like. One of them is flashy strobe lights and the other is loud, obnoxious noise. And I feel like volume and strobe inside of cinema has just gotten so out of hand that I have to wear earplugs and sunglasses from the back row in order to be able to enjoy the plot of the movie. Huh. Oh, yeah. I hate 
people who talk in movie theaters. That's why God invented pepper spray. <laughs> Excessive, but okay. Exactly. So, uh, you know, watching at home is, is a big thing. I mentioned it before. Um, has TV basically killed off the movie theater except for the big spectacle, you know? Perhaps yeah. so. Mm-hmm. Because it's a cheaper investment. And we see this right now. We just got announced for um, from Disney um, for a new property, a new TV show, which we haven't talked about yet, but um, Obi-Wan. And he's going to have, instead of a movie, which we all wanted, he's going to have a TV show. And is that something that they're like, okay, you know, the Star Wars may not be a huge thing right now. Let's do a TV show. But a lot of TV is great. Just truly awesome TV experiences. It's fresh. So, you know, I'm not really upset. I don't really care. if You know, I'm totally fine watching Obi-Wan on TV instead of on the movie theater. It might might be a better experience. Yeah, because they'll have more time to develop characters and story and more real estate to work with. Yeah. the budget will be less too. Like I said, it amazes me how TV shows can be made for a for a percentage of, or for a fraction of what movies are made for. Yeah. I always want to ask myself. I always ask myself, like, where does all this money go? I mean, how many, how many extras and and, uh, you know, all these little, you know, water refreshments and everything that everybody that gets paid. I mean, how much can all this stuff cost? You know, one example of this is like uh, Daredevil, the Daredevil movie is considered a flop and people don't like it that well, but the Daredevil TV show is fantastic. Maybe it's because they're willing to take more chances and they're able to do more with a smaller budget. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now the fear of missing the fear of missing out, you know, 3D could be a way to get hook people in. Because as much as Jake knows, you can't really buy 3D Blu-rays anymore. It's kinda hard to find some of them and 3D streaming is kind of hard to do now, too. And, you know, some movies, like, if you don't see it the first two weeks it comes out, you're never going to see it in 3D because after the opening two weeks, it's done. So, you know, having great 3D could be a good hook. You know, that could be a reason people go to the theater instead of waiting for home because you're going to miss out on that experience, you know? Not if it costs more, and the if the if the if the theater doesn't uh, produce it correctly. True, completely true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the dumbest thing Hollywood did is help the theater chains break the projectionist union, because we didn't have these presentation problems when uh, projectionists were bonded and properly trained. It seems like nothing matters anymore. Everything is so homogenized and unprofessional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the thing is that it's getting to the point where studios don't even need to try because there's no competition. That's honestly that's honestly the worst part, is that yeah. the stagnation in the market and the type of movies being made, it's almost as if it doesn't matter what is mm-hmm. produced. It's all that's there. You know what I mean? And, and consumers... Yeah. And consumers are conditioned to consume whatever they're told to consume. So as yeah, long exactly. as they're advertised in a very good way, audiences yeah. will go. See, the thing is, is that it's it's unfortunate, but and and usually the 
the explanation people give is like if you make a quality product, if you work hard, if the writing's good or whatever, if you make if you create something that's high quality, then you'll get a lot of money. But that's not exactly the case anymore because it's like why do we have to try so hard if there's no one that we're competing with? Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that just makes an inferior whatever. And, uh, yeah. you know, and the people who ask for something more are just like, oh, well, we don't need your money because we're already making so much money from other people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. In fact, they find us to be an annoyance they wish would go yeah. away. Yeah. You know, it's like, and, and, and the thing is, too, is like, uh, okay, um, None of us are really that – we don't really give harsh reviews to Disney movies or anything, but I don't think that, you know, Disney would have fired us for saying this. <laughs> mm-hmm. They would have – I mean, we're not even – like, we're just brushing on the subject, and I I honestly think that this is the stuff that gets you banned because they, you know, you know what I mean? It's like they uh, they don't want any dissent at all they want none of it they don't want any people that like previously you know you would make reviews of movies to try and get people to make better movies but now it's just they see an attack on their company and so they just try and silence you like that's what it seems like to me yeah the suits are running things it's 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 not even movies aren't even considered an artistic endeavor anymore yeah, they're just they, a product. Yeah, they, they're a product. Yeah, they really, which for like, like for, I think a really good example of you know this principle is the fact that it's like movies are so. Uh, it almost seems like they're not even movies. They're they're uh, they're like products. You know what I'm trying to say? It's almost like yeah, exactly. the next pop hit or something. Yeah. Yeah, um, Ugly Dolls came out a couple months ago, and that was basically a movie that was a pilot for a TV show coming out soon. Yeah. And another example is uh, Wonder Park, which is, again, a TV show or a movie that will eventually become a TV show, apparently. But Wonder Park has gotten through a lot of problems with the developments. Um, but it's one of those interesting notes where I thought Wonder Park was completely mediocre, completely i gave it a five out of ten i think it was and the 3d was excellent and it used the d box in a really fun way so maybe you know it didn't do that well on box office but if they would have advertised you know excellent 3d you know you gotta see this in d box you know maybe that would have made the money back because d box you know costs money and you know maybe the some of those gimmicks you know with 4dx you know kind of things could help make the movies going better than just why not just wait it for at home and watch it on blu-ray you know or netflix or whatever streaming provider you want to watch you're you know yeah. sometimes i think these studios decide whether a movie's going to be a flop or a hit before it even hits theaters that's actually what i was trying to say earlier with godzilla i mean godzilla for here's the thing the problems in godzilla are not any worse than any of the mcu movies if so, 
I don't, the reason why it flopped or it's, I don't even think it should be considered a flop. I mean, I know everyone has to break a billion dollars to make a profit, but you know, the reason why they didn't make more money than they did, I honestly think is because you're like, oh, it's not a Disney movie. So, uh, it has human characters and they don't have a human plot as much. Like that's not, that's not an argument. Well, I, it seemed like Disney had already short fused solo before, before, I mean, like within the first weekend, people, uh, it almost seemed like they were already throwing their hands up and saying, well, that was a, that was a flop. Yeah. Uh, you notice uh, Solo in uh, Phoenix made the news because, I mean, they were stunning flops. I mean, I thought they were both decent movies, but I think they paid the price for uh, franchise fatigue. And I think both of those movies paid the price for their previous movies that pissed off audiences. And they were they felt burnt and weren't going to go again. They didn't want to say that the previous movie was bad, so they could say that that, like, Solo and... What was mm-hmm. the other one? I haven't seen the other movie. Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix. Yeah, I need to watch that. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, okay, reshoots have been done since the beginning of time. But in this, uh, everybody thinks her film critic, um, culture, uh, uh, reshoots have become a, a shorthand for the movie must be bad, even though that's not true. And when uh, and the press just certain aspects of the press just pile on if a movie gets reshoots, uh, which is why I think Marvel does their damnedest to keep reshoots secret. Yeah, uh, social media is definitely an interesting thing there. Where you know it was word of mouth before, but now everyone knows. You know because a lot of websites and a lot of newspapers and whatever will talk YouTube people would talk about, oh, well, you know, this movie had 10 reshoots. It's a failure. It sucks. You know, and sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's not. And I think some of it, too, I think there's a point to where James was saying that, you know, like some of the critics might be paid off, where some of the critics may be um, highly, I guess, influenced, might be a better way of saying it, um, to follow the crowd. And if you know, you do have a different opinion on a movie, you may be shut out. And, like, for example, me and Jake, we both actually like Dark Phoenix. Uh-huh. It's not a terrible movie. But everyone seems to hate it. And the whole, you know, narrative on social media is it's terrible. Ron Tomato said it's terrible. Don't watch it. Don't watch it. Don't watch it. And, you know, it flopped. And is it because the movie was terrible or was it because the social media was against it? Was it because, you know, Rotten Tomatoes was against it? You know, it's all a complicated thing. You know, was it because people were not happy because it wasn't part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe where, you know, the rest of the comic book movies have done pretty well this year? You know, other original content, you know, Missing Link was, I think, one of my favorite animated movies this year. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a flop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's on the audience. Uh they had great ads. It was a great movie. And the damn sneakers were more successful than the movie. And, you know, Leica is a small, different, you know, small publisher. You know, they're almost independent at this point. But they have a lot of good word of mouth with different people 
and somehow that flopped and it didn't deserve it. It made only 15 million or 16 million and it should have made like 50 or 60 and it just flopped. And that's an original movie. There was no predecessor to Missing Link. You know, there's other Bigfoot movies, but it, you know, that should have been successful, but it didn't. And it had 3D and it was an enjoyable movie. So it's just, you never know, you know, that had good reviews too. So why is that? a failure but other things not you know maybe young people are fear feeling stupid if they go see a movie (laughs) and like uh detective pikachu is an example where you know it got okay good reviews and it got pretty good box office but it didn't really matter because warner brothers made a mint with all the toys and all the you know stuff tie-ins with that and that's what ultimately mattered because it definitely is a profitable kind of adventure you know and you definitely could make more pikachu detective pikachu movies because it did so well so is it because of the quality no i think it's i think it's a fine movie it's not terrible it just didn't do anything for me but they could make money off of it so that's yeah which another thing too uh that that is is uh that should be mentioned is that the type of movies that are the most profitable are ones where uh, merchandise sales are a factor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Star Wars, Marvel. Mm-hmm. I mean, previously Star Wars, uh, Marvel, uh, stuff like that. You know, if you can sell a lot of merchandise connected to the property, then, you know, Cars. Cars is a good example of that. Yeah, yeah. talk about an abysmal series and all the spinoffs. I mean, I do like the first Cars movie a lot, but um, yeah. Okay, okay, but what about Car, well, what about Planes? It just reminds me, okay, Tex Avery did some great uh, seven-minute cartoons based on Planes. These just look like they just ripped that off and expanded it to 90 minutes to sell toys. <laughs> Planes. I mean, the 3D's nice. The story's predictable. I mean, you can be half asleep and follow it. That's kind of what I mean. (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm, Exactly. It's harmless. It's painless. It's... There's no... You you want to buy it on disc to uh, babysit your kids. Yeah. I mean, I'm sort of wondering, like... Okay, besides Disney movies, besides, you know, Marvel movies, it's like the only other type of movie that really makes a lot of money is animated movies and it's for similar reasons. So. Mm-hmm. Or um, Tom Cruise action picture. Yeah, that's true. I wonder what's going to happen in the future when these franchises start becoming tired to audiences. What happens yeah. when there's no Star Wars and there's no... Uh, other franchises, you know, no more Toy Story, no more, you know, Adam's Family. I mean, what happens when audiences get tired of this stuff? I mean, is it going to be the implosion? We're get of- I don't see. Here's the thing, though. On one hand, you could say, oh, I, I think, you know, eventually they'll get tired and uh, they'll have to make new franchises. Well, yeah, if if people. OK. The majority of people, I guess, don't care. I, I don't think. That's my that's my concern. Like, the majority of people are just... I don't know. They're like goldfish. Like, they don't... 
they don't really care, you know? Yeah, it could be it. And, and that apathy, you know, it's like, it's like, it's too, uh, it's two sided, you know, it's, it's on one hand, filmmakers don't care about making quality product because the bottom line, the base, whatever is going to make them money. And then the average person doesn't care either. So, well, that's why I don't see movies very often. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess some of the sequels and prequels and, you know, remakes are just because of familiarity, familiarity, where, you know, you heard of The Lion King, you know of The Lion King. Oh, they're making another version. Okay, well, I watched it when I was a kid. I'll take my kids to see this version, this remake. Oh, I remember, you know, Fast and Furious movies. Yeah, I'll watch Hobbs and Shaw, you know. Yeah, it's just familiar. It's basic, but it doesn't always work. You know, Men in Black International was not a big hit. It didn't deserve, to, you know, to be a flop. And Secret Life of Pets, being an animated movie, was not a big hit either. And it didn't deserve to be, a, you know, a flop. Uh, Jake, you reviewed that one. You know, that could have been direct to DVD, and no one would have cared, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, heck, if they didn't make it, nobody would have cared. So it's just, you know, it's, it's hard, you know, a lot of people want the remakes and sequels and comic books, you know, it's just, it's, it's familiar, you want to, you know what it is, you know what to expect, as maybe part of the reason why Disney's being so, you know, people at least know basically Disney qualities, it's at least good, you know, I, yeah. you know, and that's at least something, you know, if you're going to see Aladdin, you know, we were kind of critiquing about it beforehand, but it worked out. It was all right. I liked it. You know, the thing is, it's not going to be completely atrociously bad, you know? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I could, I could buy that. So, it's just, it's one of those things that, you know, maybe next summer it'll be a big hit. Everything will be, you know, huge. And maybe this year wasn't that much. Or maybe this is, a, a you know, a sign of things coming where people are just totally fine waiting three months or four months for Blu-ray or 4k disc or streaming and they don't care unless it's a big spectacle you know unless it's something that everyone has to see you know i have to see lion king because i gotta see if that cgi works i have to see you know fantastic you know or not fantastic fast and the furious keep saying that i don't know why uh fantastic four fast and the furious hobbs and shaw because that's such a spectacle i can't watch that on tv you know godzilla was actually yeah. a good thing for that because it was so huge literally everything yeah. <laughs> was huge in that movie yeah exactly so yeah it's just one of those things where you know you want to see a spectacle you want to see something big and you never know if it's this year be bad and next year be good or what i think that uh, three months and four months of a waiting period isn't as long as it used to be uh time used to pass a lot slower in the world before people were having to work two and three jobs, you know, to make ends meet. And I think that three or four months shoots by and that audiences are, uh, that it doesn't seem like a very long time for today's audiences because we're so busy now to wait on a movie to come out onto DVD or a streaming. Yeah. And part of the bottom line, they have to have that movie come out for Christmas. So that way people could, theoretically buy the blu-ray for the kids to watch 10 times over you know <laughs> or watch the you know digital streaming or whatever you know they want to have that so they make the contracts to be short because they know they have to do it if they don't get that movie 
you know, by Christmas, you know, I'm 100% guaranteed that Lion King is going to come out right before Christmas, you know, Spider-Man Far From Home right before Christmas because they want to get those sales, you know, so. Yeah. And something else Jake had said is that movies are so expensive. I think that as people have to work harder and harder for their dollars, they are a lot more careful about what they spend their money on. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why the theater chains are starting to have uh, movie passes where you pay a monthly fee and you can go see movies. I think it's interesting the way that so many uh, business models have followed that, uh, these little monthly subscriptions. And I'm curious how many people actually stay on board on those, you know, two years, three years down the road. My guess is that uh, is that uh, retention is very low. And uh, I've also noticed that Disney, uh, you can use your movie club. Uh, you can you can use your Disney rewards cards with your movie passes, so you can earn points for seeing uh, Disney movies with your club with your movie. Car- subscription cards too yeah disney's really trying to get your money every which way they can they want you to pay up front for their movies now (laughs) Mm -hmm. exactly exactly now you know when we do have original content we usually get from the studio that brought you x you know and then that way you know for a fact oh i know that that studio or from the director of why we get this movie and you know, that's, it kind of undercuts that movie, but it, you know, that way you get that hook in, you know, for example, abominable, you know, that new animated movie coming out on September 27th, you know, it has from the maker, from the studio who brought you how to train your dragon, which is already a established franchise. Oh, okay. I'll watch that. Where if you didn't have that little thing on there, people may not care, you know? And I guess they have to do that because audiences are so selective. If you're not Disney, then I guess uh, you have to do use whatever uh, hook you can to try to bring audiences in. Yeah, that's been something everybody's uh, used. Uh, you should see the trailer for Keyholes Are for Peeping, starring Academy Award winner uh, Farley Granger, or is it nominee? Uh, which is probably to me the the apps a, you know a softcore porno using uh, an Academy Award nominees um, credits for a porno. Ooh. With uh, that, uh, I think we'll wrap it up. Um, anything else? Anything <laughs> final to say? No, not really. I absolutely want to end it on Jake's note. All right. Okay. Oh, so we're not going to talk about glory holes now. The water phenomenon, not the sexual thing. (laughs) (laughs) I've just noticed how many movies have glory holes in them this year. Uh, Just saying. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. Before this podcast ends, I want to give a thank you to my patrons. Right now, we have a one patron, which is David from Spain, and I want to thank you for your financial support. All right, so that's going to be it for this podcast. We now have a Patreon, and the link is in the description. Uh, thanks for watching. And we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. They don't put it everywhere. Just look for us, 3D or 2D. And of course, review us on iTunes. And if you want to write us a letter, 
our email address is email3dor2d at gmail.com. So that's going to be it. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye, everyone.